So I'm here before you today. Uh, I'm Tiffany Townsend, by the way, if you don't know, um, to preach the message I was supposed to preach last week. And so we were talking with our team before service, and we're like, you know what? Sometimes what you've planned to do is what God wants to do, and he's given it to you throughout the week. And then sometimes he says, I just want to do something different. I know we planned this today, but we want to do something different. And that's what happened last week. And I said, sometimes you just got to open up your ears and just listen to what the Lord wants to do. And that's what we did. And that's what I pray every week. You know, I get up and I'm like, sometimes I go over my message and I go, oh, I I really like that. But God, if you don't want me to say that, just let me forget it. You know, like, and if you want me to say something else, I'm listening and I'll say that instead. So um, there's a couple of jokes that I feel like I've had in my brain. I go, oh, that's going to be so funny and then God's like don't don't say that like don't say that we're not going to say that today and I'm like okay I won't so here we are continuing our series on the church redefine this is part five church redefine um, part five redefine is basically means to define again or to define define differently and so there's a lot of things that we've been defining differently that we feel like is a part of what the church is supposed to be and then there's some things that we just are defining again um, just to reiterate those things but uh, two weeks ago we spoke on discipleship and I talked about how like this is where I feel like maybe in America maybe the church lacks a little bit like we come and we sit and we're kind of spectators and we allow the pastor to do all the work, the, you know, to, to pray for the sick, to, to preach the word, to do all the things. And then once someone gives their life to Christ, we celebrate, which is great, but then they just join the spectators and watch as the pastor does the thing. And we were talking about how God has called us all to be disciples. And so when he, when he met them on the mountain, he said, Go, while you are going, make disciples. And so I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about, you know, it was like a really good word. I I feel like people were like, yeah, we should do that. But then as people walk out the door, they go, well, like, how do I do that? Right? And I was thinking about this the week that we talked about that. And when I first... um, decided to do real estate. I, I, I did the classes. I passed all the little quizzes. And then I took the licensing test and I passed it. And I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. And then I jump into it and I realize I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, I don't remember anything. What am I so why did they give me a license to do this? Like I should not be doing this. I don't know what I'm doing. And um I, you know, panicked and was like, what where do I don't even know where to start. And what was so great about the company I, I work for, is they, they made these classes that were available if you wanted to take them. And so on anything about real estate, so they would just offer these classes. You could come in person, or some of them are online, and it would be like, oh, writing contracts, you know, how to win a listing, all these things that are real estate related that you guys don't care about, right? Because you're not real estate, that's fine. <laughs> but the point is, is I started to go to those because I was like, I need to learn what to do because I don't. Just because they said I passed the test doesn't really mean I know what I'm doing. And so I was thinking about this in prayer one morning. I, I don't know why I wandered on this dis- uh, discipleship thing, but I text Jason. I was like, I need to tell you this idea I have real quick because I want to get back into prayer. And if I don't tell you, um, I'm just going to keep thinking about it. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. I want to focus on God. So we're going to start a thing. We're in the works of starting a thing here. We're going to call it City Point College. It's not a real college, okay? It's not accredited college. But college just means 
a higher education, right? More learning, right? And so where we have some people actually that come here that are, are studiers of things and where we can offer some classes, they'll probably be on Zoom, but things like Old Testament survey. Some of you, that may be boring. Some of you will go, I know how to, I want to know how to learn the Old Testament and what they did or New Testament survey or uh how to move in the Holy Spirit, how to pray for people and see people be healed. You know, how to even do that. Like, you know, have you ever go, I know God can heal them, but I don't know what to do. Like, should I, mm, I don't know. Like, God, how to access that, how to get into God's presence that way. Um, verse mapping, how to like, you know, break down the scriptures. All these things are all about discipleship. We go, we need to make disciples. And then we go, but how do I do that? Well, we're going to open it up so that we can do that. It'll be just like a few classes offered each month, and it'll be basically basically on Zoom. But I'm just really excited about it. I don't know if y'all are. I like to learn. I love to learn. I do not like to take tests, okay? So there will be no test, all right? This is just purely us learning more things, you know, how to study the Bible and how to just take it further than just reading it. So I, I took up... Too much time just reiterating all of that. So let's move on. All right. The church redefined part five. I'm going to read our scripture here. Acts 2 verse 40 says, Peter was pleading and offering many logical reasons to believe. Whoever made a place for his message in their hearts received the baptism. In fact, that day alone, about 3,000 people joined the disciples. The community continually committed themselves to learning what the apostles taught them and gathering for fellowship, breaking bread, and praying. Everyone felt a sense of awe because the apostles were doing many signs and wonders among them. There was an intense sense of togetherness among all who believed. They shared all their material possessions and trust. They sold any possessions of goods that did not benefit the community and used the money to help everyone in need. They were unified as they worshiped at the temple day after day. In homes, they broke bread and shared meals with glad and generous hearts. <clears throat> the new disciples praised God, and they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people of the city. Day after day, the Lord added to their number everyone who has experienced in liberation. Today, so we've been breaking down this scripture through this whole series, and today we're going to focus on verse 42 and 46, where it says, They gathered for fellowship breaking bread and praying, and they were unified as they worshiped at the temple day after day. In homes, they broke bread and shared meals with glad and generous hearts. And this section is referring to fellowship, fellowship. And so there's a lot of things that I feel like maybe we may be lacking in the current church today, but a lot of, I think that the current church today is actually doing a lot of the things that I'm talking about today pretty well. Um, I'm like, but we just want to we want to define again what those things look like, right? And so uh, I, I love saying fellowship a lot, especially around Jason, because he, like, really hates that word. So he just thinks that it's just one of those things that has been a Christianese type word and, and has been used, and, you know, people are, and then people, it makes people feel uncomfortable that let's fellowship, you know? So he hates when I use that word. But it, let's break it down, though, because it is an important word, right? It is an important word, and it, fellowship means companionship, company, community of interest, activity, feeling, or experience, or a company of equals or friends. And so the word here in Greek is koinogna, and it's translated as fellowship. 
But when you break it down, it means association, communion, fellowship, participation, and it means to share in something. Now, we broke down uh, community several months ago and how community is important in our lives. And which I hate that word community because uh, it's abused by cults. And so and then I feel weird saying it, you know, I'm like community, you know, be a part of our community. It's going to be so much fun, you know, um, you know, but you can actually be a part of a community and not have fellowship. So we're taking a little bit deeper today because fellowship is very, very, very important um, in the church today. And this is how we're going to break it down. First of all, it said that they gathered for fellowship Breaking and bread, breaking bread and praying. And the breaking bread there that they're talking about is not necessarily eating together. The breaking bread that is put there is communion, what we did earlier, where they would break the bread and, and remember what Christ had done. And he had showed them to do that at the Passover. And here they are in the early church going, this is what Jesus has shown us to do. We need to do this. We're going to break bread together and we're going to share to remember his body and his blood that has been spilled for us. And then they said in prayer, right? And so that, that'll be one, communion and prayer. The other one is that they worshiped at the temple day after day. To me, that's, I put Sunday morning church, but really it's just us gathering at church, you know, like, a, like our services and stuff. Because some people, not everybody, like not every church does Sunday morning, you know. Some do Saturday night, some do Sunday morning at 8, 10, 12, and 2, you know what I'm saying? 4, you know, like whatever, however big it is, and many people come. They may have like a million services. But this is us gathering together and worshiping together. And the third one is uh, when it says that they met in homes and shared meals. Uh, that would be our small groups. And I'm going to break these down for you all this morning. You all excited to be here? Okay, all right. So communion and prayer, I love where it says in Matthew 26, it says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread. He offered a blessing over the bread, and then he broke it and gave it to his disciples. Jesus said, take this and eat. It is my body. And then he took a cup of wine, and he blessed, and he had a, made a blessing over it, and he passed it around the table and said, take and drink, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It is important as a people that we get together like we did this morning and remember just remember, sometimes we can get so caught up in what we're doing, we may forget to remember. And if we forget to remember, we might you, um, become ungrateful for what's been done. Or we, you know what I'm saying? We might lose sight of what God's called us to do. If we don't remember, we might get caught up in, in our day-to-day -day or what culture is doing and this and that and this and that. So it's important for us. And this morning, as we did that, to just take a moment and say, I'm going to give you a moment, God, to remember what you've done for us. But the next one is prayer. So they gather together in prayer. And so I, we talk all the time about personal prayer, like where you, you know, you, every morning or every night, depending on if you're a morning or night person, we encourage you to pray. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time in the secret place. But what they were doing is they were gathering together and praying together and lifting each other up that way. And so we offer that in a couple different ways. Like we do like the 21 days of prayer and fasting that we just did where we all corporately fasted and we all corporately prayed all like we knew that it was happening at the same time. But we actually, if you didn't know that, come together and gather and corporately pray every Sunday at 915. 
And so, and it's not just for leaders who are here. Like, that is our time, City Point Church, to come together and pray. And we lift up anything. We lift up one another in prayer. We lift up the service in prayer. We lift up the week. Sometimes we lift up uh, the other, you know, the city, anything. We, we come into this place and we gather and we go before God together as a group. And so that was really important. Communion, remembering, and praying together. And then the second one is, and I put Sunday morning church as point of, isn't, it doesn't work. No. Oh, fine. Y'all don't even know. I'll just change it. Y'all don't even know. I could have just changed it and it would have it been fine. You guys have been none the wiser. Like, um, Sunday morning church. All right. Or this is, there's a gathering. I have an unpopular opinion, right? Come and bring us your unpopular opinion. Something up to now that you've been scared to say. Have you guys seen that? Okay. Am I the only one? I'm the only one that's. That's listened to unpopular opinion. Okay, it's a show. I love it. Is they bring celebrities on to this like uh, radio show, and then they have people call in and say unpopular opinions, like coffee's the worst, you know. And so that's my. But this is my unpopular opinion today. All right, the church is not meant to be a place of spectators and people who just get entertained. We are all a part of the body, and we all have been gifted by God as a part of the body. In other words, Sunday morning isn't meant for you to walk in, listen to some music, maybe lift your hands to God, hear a good word, and then walk out. We are all a part of this. This is a part that you get to get into the game, all right? This is a part where you get to step up and you actually get to minister to God, but you also get to minister to one another. That is what the gathering at the temple is, is ministering to God and ministering to one another. And so I love how in 1 Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, you are the body of the anointed. And now he's talking to the church there, and he kind of he's kind of talking about how there's different parts of the church, you know. But he specifically was putting them in a specific order because they had gotten their priorities out of whack. But we're, gonna, we're not using it for that purpose this morning. All right. You are the body of the anointed, the liberating king. Each and every one of you is a vital member. God has appointed gifts in the assembly. First emissaries, that's apostles. Second prophets, third teachers, then miracle workers, healers, helpers, administrators, and then those who speak in, with various unknown languages. In other words, each and every one of us has been gifted in some way to serve, right, to be here. And it's not like, oh, they just want us to get involved with, like, the kids' ministry. That's all. They just want us to watch the kids. No, it's not that. Some of you are actually very gifted to teach kids, and it's actually a very rewarding ministry be to be able to teach kids the Bible. But some of you are not gifted, and there we say sit down. You're not, you're not back there. You're like screaming at kids, I said to sit down. You know, like, ah, ah, you know. no, but, but he says, he goes on in this scripture earlier. He's like, can the hand say uh, to the foot like you're not needed, right? As humans, we each have a body part that functions us as a whole. And that is the way of the body of Christ. We all have different giftings that function us as a whole together, right? When we were between jobs, we lived, we were between uh, ministry jobs, and we lived with my mom. It was so great. It was so great. I'm not being sarcastic. It was amazing because we didn't have to pay for anything. Like, we were just in charge of, like, making sure the house was clean and, like, buying groceries. And so we, like, didn't have to be adults for, like, 10 months. It was so great. We were like, yes, mommy pay for everything, you know. Um, but we lived with my mom for, like,
like 10 months, and we would drive an hour to this church that we really liked that was in Birmingham. We really liked the church. It was really cool. So we would drive an hour to Birmingham to go to this church. But a, a couple things. One, we were driving a little bit over an hour. We were driving. Our kids were little, you know, so we're already driving over an hour to get to church. Um, and we knew that once we moved to Albany, like, we wouldn't, we knew that living there was temporary. So we didn't get involved in the church. And it was so weird, guys. It was so weird to just go to church and sit there and not do anything. Because one, because we weren't using our gifts, like we weren't meeting people. We weren't fellowshipping with people. It was just like we went and we worshiped and we heard a great word and we're like, that's cool. And then we would leave. And when I would leave, I would feel so weird. Because I'm like, man, like, this is not what God has called us to do. He's not called us to just come and sit. Like, he's called us to get off the bench and get in the game. And so when I was younger, I played the greatest sport in the world, which is soccer. All right? It is literally the greatest sport. Jason doesn't agree. He thinks it's from the devil. All right? So from this one YouTube video where a tornado just came out of nowhere and only, like, destroyed the soccer field and then left he was like yeah I'm starting to think God doesn't like soccer (laughs) anyways but I played soccer I started when I was in eighth grade and um I loved it I loved playing and um I wasn't like the best person in the world but I was pretty naturally gifted at it like starting off like it was because I enjoyed it and I had fun so then when the next year when I went into high school you know you have to try out right and so I tried out for the team and I made it but like most freshmen, unless you're like in just the best of the best, you, you have to ride the bench, right? Like you, you sit on the bench. And um, I did not like that, okay, because I wanted to play. I wanted to be in the game. And so I looked around and I said, okay, I, God, I want to be in the game. So where, where is the holes, all right? Where's the holes that we have on our team? And so if you don't know anything about soccer, there's the forwards, depending on how your coach wants to set up your alignment. There's forwards. There's usually about three of them. There's midfield, and there's defenders. And those forwards that are on the right and the left, their job is to take the ball up the field, kick it to the center so that the center can get it in the goal, right? So if you're on the right side and you're going to kick the ball over, you're going to kick with what? Your right foot. All right, if you're on the left side and you have to kick it over, you're going to kick with your left foot. All right, so. So I know someone's like, you're making my point here. So most people, most people can't kick with their left foot. And on our team, there was only one girl that was good with her left foot. Only one girl, and she was a senior. And I'm like, oh, man, I want to get in the game. If I want to get in the game, I'm already gifted, but I may not be just right perfect where the holes are. So I'm going to learn how to kick with my left foot. All right, so I practiced, and I did it, and I got real good. I, can, I was, like, just as good on my left foot as my right foot. It took me some time because, you know, when you've got a weak leg, right? Guess what happened? I got chose to be in the game because I practiced. I showed, hey, this girl can shoot with her left foot. This girl can pass with her left foot. Look at me. I got my left foot. Coach, get me off the bench. I want to be in the game, right? Here, get off the bench. Get in the game because there's no excitement on the bench. There's not even excitement in the stands just watching because you're missing the adrenaline. You're missing the greatness, and you're missing being used by God. And so church was meant for us to get off the bench, get in the game. God has gifted you. There is a commentary 
And he wrote this, and I love how he worded it. He said, the word translated church in the English Bible means literally assembly of the called. It implies that members have said yes to God's call in their lives. We assemble because we are called into being by God himself. Some people, for reasons only they know, choose to live their Christian faith in isolation. When they do, they cut themselves off from the gifts, encouragement, and vitality of others. And perhaps, just as tragically, they deprive the church of the grace and life God has invested in them. So not only are you getting something, but people are receiving from you. Because we come to church, we minister to God. And we minister to people, and we're all called to do that. So moving on, number three. All right, so we got communion and prayer, very important, defining again. And then we've got, um, what did I just say? Oh, Sunday morning church. All right, and now we have small groups. Now, I don't need to tell you, I, I, I do love, I do love how much the American church puts emphasis on small groups. Because... People go, oh, I don't want to go to that church. It's too big. I won't know anybody. Okay, we'll get into a small group, right? Right now, we, we just launched our first semester small groups last fall because we, for the longest time, were just a small group. Like, you know what I'm saying? But we're finally getting to the place. We're still a small church, but we're finally getting to the place where you might not know everybody. We had a kids team leader meeting last night, or not, uh, just a hangout. And it was, it, was, it was great because they needed to bond because they didn't know that each other had been serving in the kids ministry because they served on opposite weeks. And so we're like, God, we got to do this. Small groups work. They're amazing. First uh, Thessalonians says, so support one another. Keep each other, keep building each other up as you've been doing. Um, this is why small groups are so good. Because one, you get to know people. All right? All the introverts, come on. You know you want to know someone, all right? You don't want to know everyone, but you want to know someone. And this is the place where you get to know at least one person, all right? I always say an, an introvert has friends because either an extrovert said hi, an extrovert said hi to them and forced them to be their friend. <laughs> That's how Jason has all his friends is he forces them to be his friend. He's so extroverted. But no, small groups are amazing because not only do you get the fellowship of one another, okay? <laughs> Mike's like, yeah, that is really the only reason why I'm here today. Um, <laughs> but, um, but you get those around you who are building you up and being there for one another. I was so proud of our 10-year-old when we did the 21 days of prayer and fasting because we'd never ever asked him to be a part of the fasting before um, because he's, he's a child and he's learning and we weren't sure if he would understand. And so um, he comes to us and he's like, okay, I'm going to fast. I mean, just out of nowhere, we didn't even say anything. He's like, I'm going to do the 21 days of fasting and I'm going to fast ramen noodles. And for background, this child is so obsessed with ramen noodles. It's insane. Like so much so that I have to be like, you're only allowed to have one a day. Because if I didn't, he would just eat them all day. And they're not healthy. So I'm like, I feel like we're really pushing it one a day. So I mean, like, we really got to be strict with that. And so, you know, then he kind of went back and forth. He was like, no, maybe I won't because he kind of thought about it because three weeks is a long time. And then, you know, he went back and forth. And I said, you know what, buddy, you know, since you're only 10, why don't you do this? Why don't you do three different fasts? And the first week do one thing. The second week do something else. And then the third week, because that way you're easing your way in. And he thought about it, and he's like, no. 
I want to do ramen noodles all 21 days. He was like, he really meant it, okay? Well, so he committed to it, and it was not easy for him, okay? Like, there are some days where he's like, I just want ramen noodles, you know? And I'm like, let's find something else. The day before we break our fast, so Saturday's the last day. Sunday, you're able to eat whatever you've been fasting. Saturday, he he just breaks down. I need ramen noodles. Like, mom, I know where you hid them. Like, because I hid them because I was like, I need to make this easier for this child. And he's like scrummaging through the closet, like trying to find them. And the whole thing was like, Jonas, wait, 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 wait. Stop, 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 stop. You've made it so far. Like, you have one day. Like, you can do it. I mean, Jason's like, you can do it. Judah's like, you can do it. I'm like, bud, you can do it. One day. If you eat them now, then you'll regret saying that you couldn't do it. But if you just wait less than 24 hours, you're going to feel so accomplished the next day that you, you know, committed to the Lord and you made it through, you know. Instead of, you know, so we didn't sit around going, uh, you committed. You got to stick to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like that. It was encouragement. And that's what small groups do. Sometimes they just go, hey, I know you've been struggling with this. Let me hold you up. Let me be there. You can do it. You can do it. It's like the choo-choo train. You can do it. You know, you can do it. Um, you can, and you need that community around. Um, don't, uh, are you playing the keys? You want to get up? Oh, sorry. Um, sorry. Um, don't believe me though. Check the reviews. Okay. So I was, te- <laughs> I was, uh, I was um, teaching Jonas how to order off Amazon, right? And I was telling him how when you order online, here are a few things you have to do. First, make sure you read the description really well because the pictures don't always, (laughs) I mean, sometimes they look like they come with a bunch of things. They only come with one. Or they look really big, but they're actually really small. You know, and I'm like, read the description. I was like, and then when you read the description, if it sounds like something you want, scroll down and read the reviews, okay? Because if you don't, you may regret because people will put on there, hey, this this was terrible or, oh, this was great. It changed my life. And you need to read those reviews and then make your decision based on the reviews. So I thought, you know what? This spills over. You know, I could try to convince people that small groups are the way to go and that we should be together. But why listen to me? Let's have some reviews. So I asked people, I'm like, can you give me a review of small groups? And so I have a little testimonies here for you. One, One lady said, small groups are a great way of meeting people and finding good friends. We also learn how to improve our way of communicating with God. We had another guy say, small groups changed my outlook on life by choosing God. They brought me closer to people within the small group by sharing stories and struggles we go through and how we each have our secret place with God. I mean, even one of our teenagers said, small groups are a fun way to spend time with God and with all your friends. Like the best way. That's the best of both worlds. Let's spend time with God and our friends. This is great. We're hanging out. Uh, one of the men from the men's group said, in small groups, I have, found, I have a family of men that are here to listen to the good and the bad. Right? Don't we need that? Some of the men have been through the struggles before, and some are going through it with me. They are here to pray with me and for me. Is that not great? And then one of our women in the women's group said this. Small groups gave me an intimate environment to connect with other Christ followers in ways I could have never in church on Sundays. Not only did we study and discuss God's word and character, but we also leaned on each other emotionally and prayed over each other. It was a really special experience for me. 
And here's the thing. I didn't say, hey, can you give me a good review of small groups? I said, can you just tell me your experience in small groups? Honestly, tell me. And these people go raving, five stars, five stars, five stars. Why? Because they work and they're fun. And they're not necessarily always a Bible study. Sometimes they're just fun. And, you know, we're not that big of a group, so we don't have very many. But we just want to break it down a little bit. I love the women's group. I love that we come together and empower one another as women because we need that support. Us women, we need that support in our lives. And it doesn't matter, you know, when I was younger, I used to say, oh, I connect better with dudes. Well, you know what I kind of do in the sense of personality where I'd rather go out and shoot in something and talk about my feelings, all right? Jason would rather sit around and talk about his feelings all day long with women, okay? And I would rather go punch something or shoot something, right? But there are things as a woman that I'll never be able to connect to as a man because I'm not a man. And there are things that men will never understand the struggles that women go through, right? And that's why we need these groups so we can lean on one another, you know? The teenagers, I love that they're getting together with a group of people that are their age. They're going through crazy struggles right now, and they are being constantly in their schools just being indoctrinated and indoctrinated and indoctrinated and this is a place where they can get together with like-minded students to learn about God and to encourage one another this is why they are important you know I told our team and I'm, I'm closing with this I told our team um, a couple weeks ago I was like here's how here's how the enemy works you know the scripture says Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour you know and I'm like we have two cats all right we have Han, he's like Garfield, okay? He's kind of lazy, and he's not really a hunter or anything. He just wants to snuggle with me all day, okay? That is what he wants to do. But then we have Cheeto, all right? And Cheeto is our hunter, okay? And it's kind of sick because he, he's not hungry. He's just hunting for sport, so it's really kind of sad. But we don't want to discourage it because we don't want mice and stuff in our house. So, like, we want him to be sharp. Um, but definitely watching him take out a baby rabbit was pretty sad. I was like, I can't stop this because I don't want to discourage it. But I literally am crying right now. Um, but anyway, so, point I'm trying to make, that's not it. Cheeto, I know that Cheeto loves to eat chicken. I know this because when I'm cooking, he tries to jump on the counter and get it from me. All right? He loves it. And so sometimes, like, after I've done, like, cut off the fat and all that kind of stuff, sometimes I'll let him kind of have his moment with the chicken. He loves to eat chicken, okay? But what he doesn't do is our neighbor ha actually has chickens. But he has never once killed one of their chickens. And this is why. Because those chickens are bigger than him, right? They're bigger. One time when he first met them, when we first moved, or he first moved there with us, he, he like, was creeping up on one, like, sniffing, and that chicken just flapped its wings, and he was like, you're like, I'm out of here, because it, because it made itself bigger, right? Because predators don't go after things that they feel like they can't kill, that they can't get to. They don't go after strength, and they don't go after things that are bigger than them, because then they won't win. What I do know is he may not go after a chicken, but he's going to go after a baby rabbit because it's smaller. Not a mama rabbit, a baby rabbit, you know, or a chipmunk. And that's why when, when I hear the scripture that, that Satan goes about like a roaring lion, seeing him who may devour, I think about on like the animal planet where, uh, you know, you see the lions, you know, coming after the herd. And what happens? One zebra always goes the wrong way. Dummy, 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 stupid, stupid, stupid. Because when the one goes away from the herd, 
where does the lion go? Does he go to attack the herd or does he go after the one that's separated itself? He goes after the one because that's an easy prey. Guess what? Satan goes about just like that, waiting for us to isolate ourselves from each other, waiting for us to forget about serving, forget about church on Sunday, forget about communion, forget about prayer, forget about community and being with one another. And he wants to isolate us so that he can take us down. And that's why when we define the church today, and it was so amazing in the early church, is that we do these things together, that we have strength together so that we can live this life successful. Hebrews 10 says this, let us consider how to inspire each other to greater love and to righteous deeds, not forgetting to gather as community, as some have forgotten, but encouraging each other, especially as the day of his return approaches. Will you guys stand with me real quick?